the virtual hardwood, it's the NLC Podcast, episode 428. Thank you for joining us once again to talk about basketball video games. I am Andrew, with you as always, joined by Derek, aka Deeper 3. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I actually wanted to kick off the show talking about the top 10 plays of the week, week ending May 28th, 2022, so it was released um, on Saturday. What a strong top 10 and it might have actually had the most variety since i've been doing the top 10 so i think we're on week two year two and i think that's the most variety play wise that we've had if i recall correctly six different games thereabouts we had a jordan-esque layup by the man himself uh some deep threes greened and uh, very exciting just splashing them from long range uh, the usual assortment of dunks, but a, a variety of those dunks, alley-oops, putbacks, etc. Uh, people were having fun on the virtual hardwood this week. No, absolutely. I'm loving getting new, um, getting highlights from new people. So um, people that hadn't been in the top 10 before, uh, or they've only recently started contributing to it. Great to have Teddy Bear the Gamer back into the top 10. He's finally found some time outside of work to get back into basketball gaming, and he's super excited about it. So I got a bunch of highlights from him, too, and I've saved some and archived them um, you know, for future top 10s and whatnot. Um, you got some NBA Live in there. We got some NBA 2K in there, and we've had some regular submitters in there, so the regulars, and it's just I love doing the top top 10 every week and this week was no no exception and i finally got around to sending you those uh those live 15 highlights yeah i know i'm really happy about that i can't wait to try to like clean them up a little bit as far as like you know make them 60 fps and sharpen them up and some of those highlights are just unbelievable there's one that you have in there that is a behind the back pass into a 360 layup and it just looks amazing and be live 15 surprises you sometimes doesn't it it does i mean it was it's a low bar to clear with live 14 and that's kind of damning live 15 with with uh, with faint praise but i think they made some really great advancements you know they pushed it back about three weeks and of course that led to some concern oh it's going to get cancelled it didn't it came out it was better than live 14 they clearly made some strides with it I played a lot of Live 15, as you can see from the highlights I sent to you, and there's some roughness to it, of course, but I think it was a a pretty good, pretty enjoyable game uh, with some solid bones at the the very least. Still lacking in the depth of the modes, still some stiffness on the sticks, but a lot better than Live 14. Uh, I love the steel system in Live 15, actually. Uh, Getting steals was very satisfying, poking them loose and and scooping up that loose ball for the, uh, to finish on the break with a dunk or whatnot. Uh, Live 15, it has some good points. Absolutely. Bottom line, NBA Live 15 was more fun than NBA Live 14. Easily. Like the gameplay was more fun on the sticks. The pace was faster and better. Uh, there were, you know, better animations around the hoop, better, uh, you know, more exciting dunks, uh, you know, layups around the rim. It, it felt better overall and the action was more fun. Um, also, you talk about the stealing system. One thing I really love about NBA Live 06 is the stealing system. You know, I've been playing NBA Live 06 for the PC ever since we got it installed. And 
um, I've been posting those highlights as well on Twitter and, you know, you and I connected and played a couple games and that was incredibly fun. But the stealing system on that game is so rewarding. Like when you time the, the steal on the ball appropriate and he, you know, he pokes the ball away and then you can run the ball down and then start your fast break or whatnot. Um, you know, you can, you know, interrupt a shot by, by stripping the ball while they're going up. Like, I think that the steal system and the, the passing lanes, you're getting in the passing lane and getting steals is also rewarding and fun in that game. Um, I love the overall stealing and defense system in NBA Live 06 for the, for the PC and um, for the PS2, etc. Well, it's one of those things about freestyle control that, we don't acknowledge a lot because we focus on the dribbling moves because that's a big part of right stick controls in games these days. But even something as simple as pushing the stick up to raise your hands to challenge the shot, get down in a defensive crouch, or by going left or right on the stick, attempting the steal with the left or right hand, giving you more control over the player's hands and movement, that it was on the defensive side that we also got those improvements from freestyle control and they do fly under the radar because we think of the spin moves and the crossovers and everything else we can do offensively and, and off ball of course you can do the the spins and the jukes and whatnot but they also focus on the defensive side and, and that's so important with basketball games because it's very easy to focus on the scoring I mean I, I'm guilty of it whenever I take screenshots or whenever I submit highlights to you that I'm always thinking offense but you need to have that defensive side of the game really solid as well and, and the best games as we've said before, are the ones that play well on both sides of the ball. Yeah, defense really does kind of get left in the dust, doesn't it, in conversation when it comes to basketball, whether it be real life or in video games. And, uh, you know, it's the same, and I'm guilty of it, you know, at times. You know, I, I do all of the, you know, the gameplay videos on my channel, and then I do the gameplay videos on Neon and Butch Gaming channel um, for Stildo 33, you know, for our 2K19, 94-95 season. And what are most of those highlights? Offense. The majority of those highlights are offense. Um, and sometimes I, I feel bad about that. Like, I feel like I shouldn't be including more blocks or, or more steals that, you know, occur in the game or, like, hard fouls and, and stuff like that, like the defensive side of basketball so uh i've actually been trying to do that a little bit more in those videos in fact the last video that i made for one of the last videos i made for his channel um is the magic versus Knicks game and i included a block that i had on Shaq with ewing and one that he had on me Shaq on Shaq blocking ewing and um yeah i think that defense can kind of get left in the dust when it comes to conversation well, offense is, is crowd-pleasing. Dunks are exciting. A big shot that just splashes through the net. Swishes are so uh, satisfyingly... You know, it, it's understandable that we focus on scoring. Because, because, of course, the object of basketball is to score more than your opponents. And to do that, you need to be uh, putting the ball in the basket. But, of course, defense is such an important part of the game. Uh, even as the game, quote-unquote, evolves, changes, whatever, throughout the years, some things remain the same. And being able to defend when it matters and stop your opponent is obviously important and those can be very spectacular moments as well especially chase down blocks uh, i did send you a couple of uh, block highlights in among those live 15 uh, clips so I i'm doing my best no absolutely um that jordan play that actually you have in the nlsc top 10 plays of the week where he does that acrobatic layup very jordan-esque 
um, on multiple defenders, flips it up towards the rim, goes in, etc. The What led to that actually was me getting a steal, one of those poke steals with Gary Payton, um, and then dribbling it up the floor and passing it to you. So, um, yeah, love those defensive highlights. Um, hopefully we get more in the future for the top 10 as well. You know, for our listeners listening, we, lo- we love the defensive highlights. You could always try to get us one of those. Um, but, yeah, we had a couple good sessions actually playing NBA Live 06 for the PC after I installed it with a really cool broadcast camera mod, which I think both of us enjoyed. But the first game we used the Dream Team, and it's this is obviously a modded roster, the NLSC modded rosters. We used the Dream Team versus the Kobe Team USA. And, um, you know, Kobe, LeBron, etc., and then in the second game, we used the 90s All-Stars versus the 80s All-Stars. And I thought we, we played co-op in both games. I thought we played pretty well together, considering that was the first time that we had played the PC version of NBA Live 06 together. And it produced quite a few really, really good highlights. We kind of undermined ourselves in that second game, unfortunately. We were going for highlights, and, and that, uh, that'll get you. We still almost won. True. That's what's crazy. Um, I think we were playing on All-Star there, but we were constantly trying to use the freestyle controls and go for alley-oops and go for poster dunks. I wasn't taking the game too seriously because I could tell what we we both had in mind. We're like, we're going to get a great highlight here. Yeah. We took the game a little bit more seriously when we were using the Dream Team, um, and I want to say that we beat them by double digits by the end of the game, and we had a really strong fourth quarter. But, man... That's really fun. That, that's a good game to play co-op. And I'm going to have to connect with more people in the uh, basketball gaming community, maybe from the NLSC Discord or, you know, people that I've connected with outside the Discord, you know, like like um, at B-Ball Video Games and whatnot. And I'm going to have to get on the sticks with those people because I think um, I think that game is incredibly underrated for both co-op and head-to-head. Well, you know how I feel about Live 06 PC. You know, that's, that is one of my favorite games possible games of all time i'm up for more games of that as well i will say as fun as it was i i saw some things that i missed in that last release some errors you were kicking your yeah you were kicking you could tell it was it, it was yeah. bugging me because i, I was oh I, I how did i miss that well, because you for, yeah because you forgot to assign freestyle for um quite a few of the um players on the team yeah. i think you said yeah burnt, it, you it, were burnt out at the time or yeah at the time i was handling the rosters for 2005 to 08 all at the same time uh, maintaining them uh, simultaneously. And I was doing that by starting with 08 and converting backwards to 07 and then 06 and then 2005. I found a pretty effective way of doing this. But I've overlooked some of the values that I need to fix because some of the values changed through the years from those, uh, especially between 06 and 08 with some of the Freestyle Superstars uh, values. So I've, I've overlooked those and not uh, not fixed them, not, uh, not forced a recalculation of the, the ratings, the overall ratings and whatnot. So I'm seeing those little things that I I want to go back and fix now. And it's actually got me in the mood. This is the problem with, with my modding projects, Derek, is that I always have these ideas and there's only so many hours in the day and you also wonder, okay, is this feasible? Can I get the art assets for this? Is anybody going to download this mod for an older game? Is it worth putting this time into? But, you know, I'd like to do some stuff with, uh, with 06. I know there's some stuff you'd like to do with your brothers that we can use those assets that I've already got for that roster. I can whip up something quickly for you. And if it comes together quite well and something something substantial, uh, maybe I can put that, that out there for the community, kind of a, a bit of a Legends roster kind of thing. 
Well, I think um, you're in a good place with NBA Live 06 because most of the work is done. Yes. Right. I think that jumping back into NBA Live 06 modding to, you know, I don't know. I guess you could use the word tweak some things or do minor updates. I think that that's a lot easier to approach mentally than doing what you did with NBA 2K11 and doing full a full-blown, fresh start updated roster from scratch so yeah. yeah right yeah so i think you're in a better position for that um and i think it's added motivation to the fact that you know i do have it installed and like you had stated my brother and i are looking for a roster and you know how much we love playing you know with legends and whatnot so look at all the mods i've already used since i installed those games like legends mods and art mods and and stuff like that so um yeah i'd love for you to get back into you know some some modding uh because i know you used to love to do it and you've definitely been out of it for the most part you know i'd say since i know uh, since i've known you pretty much really yeah i I haven't really had any any big projects for maybe close to 10 years it's really just been some small projects here or there or updating uh projects with small fixes here and there but to that point yeah maybe i would like to do that Maybe, maybe i could go back and fix some things so that the, the final version that's out there is just a bit more complete, a bit more uh, a bit more polished, and it doesn't have those errors that I that I noticed and overlooked because, as you brought up, I was uh, feeling quite burned out on the rosters at that time. Uh, the NBA Live PC project for Live 06 was originally uh, devised as a way of keeping that game up to date. We wanted to keep a PC a version of Live up to date when it was announced that Live 09 would not be coming to PC, and then 2K9 came to PC, and eventually the 2K modding community took off, and, and that scene uh, flourished. But we we still wanted to keep that NBA Live 06 up to date because people love that game, and I love that game, obviously. But it started as a community project and kind of ended up as a community sits back and asks Andrew when the project is going to be done, and that kind of burned me out. So, yeah, that's that's why that kind of... Uh, why I stopped updating those rosters. And, of course, there was less demand for them, and it's harder to justify the... Uh, the time spent on it, but these days, you know, I'm in that mood to go back and play these games and to play them with you, and and I think there's some more interest in retro-bustable gaming at the moment. I'd like to think that we're playing a role there, and, and certainly 2K Fatigue is playing a role as well. So to have some assets and some, some existing mods for these uh, great uh, classic games, but also some new stuff as well, I think there'd be great value in that. It's tough to find consistent help, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's it's tough to find help that's going to um, be along for the ride. Uh, it's tough to find help that is going to, um, you know, finish the project with you. Um, that's going to see it all the way through. And I think that's something that I, I see often in the community is there's somebody who may want to contribute one or two things here or there, but they don't want to be a big part of the project. Um Maybe they'll do a few things at the beginning once the project starts and then either they'll lose interest or they won't have enough time or they'll just abandon it for some unknown reason. And um, that leaves the creator, so the, the the head of the project, kind of you know in flux. It, it puts them in a tough position. Um, if nobody else can you know come aboard and help or you know or maybe if somebody can't come aboard and produce the same quality, et cetera. So um, 
I know that one of the reasons why the NBA 2K19 roster mods, uh, you know, the 94-95 season, 91-92, 90-91, etc., all those retro season mods, I know one of the reasons why that was so successful and the the mods are so great is because the people who worked on that project and who continue to work on that project have been together as a team for quite a while. They were all dedicated to the project. Um, you know, they had established roles within it and they were all passionate about the work they were doing on it. So that's how you get a successful roster mod. Um, like the ones that you see on 2K19, the one that you saw with Hawk on NBA 2K14, uh, the ones that you see with Sko on 2K13 and 2K14, etc. And I think sometimes it's hard to match the passion of the person that's that's starting the project. And even for the person that starts that project or that endeavor, sometimes keeping that passion is easier said than done. They say a lot of podcasts don't go past 10 episodes. Uh, YouTube series, a lot of people kind of start that series, uh, start a channel and, and have a some kind of series going, some kind of show they've established, but it only goes a few episodes before they get sick of the work that uh, that's required to to build it and to find an audience, and, and they just quit. And I think a lot of that people... That makes me sad. That makes me sad, though. Sorry to interrupt you. That, that does, because that person who started that had this grand idea, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. The, that person who they had this, uh, this idea, like, you know, I can get people to you know, tune in and it's something they're going to find interesting. And I know where, you know, I can create an audience for this. And, I have something you know, to say, maybe my you know, yeah. name will, I have something to say, maybe my name will get out there. Like there's all these reasons why they got excited about something. And I think that's, that's something that bothers me a lot is when somebody does show a passion for something or excitement um, and they have these ideas and then it just kind of falls through because that, that, that means this, those are disappointed people. Yeah, right. it, 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 it takes it patience, work out. patience and passion, right. and that's and that's can be difficult to maintain for sure. And I, I think some people are more uh, in love with the idea of more in love with the idea of something than the actual reality when they have to actually put in the hard work. I think we've seen that with some modding projects before. Uh, and look, I'll, I'll certainly you know that sounds judgmental on my part. So I'll, look, I'll put up my hand and say I've had these ideas for modding projects that I've tried to start and maybe try to get some interest in and have just not been able to follow through on. 2K11 rosters being a, a chief example there and it's it's with the best of intentions but these you know, life gets in the way uh enthusiasm dies when you can't get that uh if, if there doesn't seem to be that enthusiasm in the community or or, or whatever so it's uh, it's unfortunate but it's also very uh, understandable but yeah I, i'm all for getting back to some uh, some retro modding uh will they be huge projects not necessarily but they might uh I think that I can still make something that people will enjoy playing with and certainly that we can enjoy playing with. And and I'll have to admit that it's kind of fun to play with my own mods again. And when we played that uh, live 2004 game with the 95-96 roster, I hadn't played a game with that for years. So that was very refreshing. I'd love to do more of that. That was fun. And you know what? If you get back into modding and we start making videos for the uh, YouTube channel to kind of show off the, the updates to the mods, we are guaranteed to get at least one dislike on those videos well what can what can you say some people have uh, quality feedback and some people just click the dislike button for no reason what can you do <laughs> what did you say to me um before the uh the podcast you said that well, about haters what was what was that about rationale well haters aren't the most rational people when it comes down to it i mean sometimes you dislike something for a reason and sometimes you just don't like the cut of someone's jib for, for no particular reason or or yeah you, you just uh just jealous that somebody else is doing something good. 
Yeah, I mean, so the last few videos that we've uploaded to the NLSC YouTube, um, they're ones that um, I've actually uploaded. And um, we got one dislike right after the upload um, on each of them. And, and everybody else likes it. It's, it's always only one dislike. And it's like a new recent thing. And it's petty. I have no idea who's doing it. Um, there's, I mean, there's no real reason to dislike the top 10 plays of the week unless you're just being petty and a troll, right? Um, but someone's out there doing that, and I don't know if it's coming from the NLSC Discord. I don't know if it's coming from from Twitter because I do post the um, the links on the Discord as well, and then it, right after I post them on the Discord, suddenly there's like a dislike on the video. What's weird about it, and you know, I talked to you about this offline before the podcast, is what are they getting out of that? Like what? Like nobody sees the dislike. These, the these days, absolutely. I mean, I suppose it's the majority. Yeah. For everybody else, it's never any other dislikes. Um, there's like it's like ninety nine percent likes. Like what? What do they get out of that? I mean, I it's guess just, they, it, they, they get the they reaction that we're good. getting now. I suppose the uh, us being uh, puzzled at, at that reaction. I mean, shout out to you and the dislike you've no you've no doubt left on this uh, video version of the episode four twenty eight of the Lancet podcast. We thank you for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, you're guaranteed exactly when this podcast gets released, there will definitely be at least one. It's, but it's just it's just wild it's actually me. It's actually me disliking our own videos. Um, no, <laughs> I, I mean, you and I we've we've talked about this before. Whatever we do, whether it's the podcast, whether it's modding, whether it's articles, videos, etc. You and I are kind of perfectionists, and we we take pride in our work. We believe in what we in our critique of of games. We're not faking our opinions, you know. We, we we're putting it out there very earnestly. So for us to get that that feedback and for somebody to to dislike what we're doing or uh, to object to it without any kind of uh, counterpoint, I, I think you and I find that frustrating because we do engage in good faith and we put our qual our quality content, I will say, out there in good faith, well researched, well reasoned. So when somebody comes back with just a dislike or this sucks or whatever, you and I we're kind of like well. Yeah, what what can we do with that? Because we'd engage with somebody who wants to discuss, but a dislike is not discussion. Right. I mean, there's no feedback there. Yeah, at exactly. All. And that's and that's how I know too that it's all just petty and childish. And I know that there's drama going on in in one part of the modding community, and it could be in relation to that. But we're not even involved in that. Right? Yeah, that's not that's, so, uh, that's not our circus just, at all. Yeah. But yeah, and like you said, you know, as far as like the work that we do for the NLSC, it's honest work. Like that's what we're doing. It's, it's we're trying to be, you know, we're not trying to be. We're just like that. We're you know honest with everything that we do, and you know we take pride in the videos that we make and the content we produce and stuff like that. So um, I just think it's pretty childish behavior. But what are you going to do with social media in 2022, right? Oh, oh, for so, sure. I, I was just thinking. I, I recently watched a uh, wide autocomplete interview. Uh, with Wyatt's YouTube channel with uh, Seth MacFarlane, the creator of Family Guy, of course, and he made an offhand remark saying, um, "I'm from New England. I only respond to negative criticism." So maybe somebody's trying to get to you that way. They, they just, they no. just, they just know how you, you New Englanders feel about negative criticism. Yeah. Well, I'm fine with it because, I mean, it would be different if I was uploading videos and, um, let's say I uploaded a gameplay video to the NLSC YouTube and it got like 50% dislikes. Like, then I'd be like, all right, 
all right, I've, somebody's not liking my content for some reason. Maybe I need to look at, you know, the way I did the intro or something like that. Sure. Um, but when there's one like and then, I mean, one dislike and it's just this new thing and then everything else is likes on the content, then I'm not sweating it. I just think it's like worth bringing up because I think it's petty. Right, I think it's just. Oh, I wrote an article about it. I, I wrote an article on Monday Tip Off a while back. What is it you dislike? Because it does it does leave you wondering what you did wrong because it, it's not really useful feedback. Well, you did. Like, that's the thing is most of the time you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. If it's just like why, like it's usually a troll or um, just something ridiculous. But uh, it's the curse of, again. It's yeah. the curse of perfectionism is that you always want to be the best. You do the best you can and 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 put out great content. And and of course, when you get that feedback, you you want to get you, you're always going for that hundred percent strike rate. And yet, you look at some of the biggest YouTubers, and they when dislikes were uh, when they were visible, even then they were getting plenty of dislikes for for really good videos. And you're wondering who who is disliking this? And this is not even a controversial opinion. This is a fun, entertaining, or informative video. So, like you say, it's, it's yeah, it weird stuff. Yeah, there's weird stuff. Like there's like tributes to you know great legends like in athletics or you know great players from the past there's like tributes out there and they get like hundreds of thousands of dislikes on those videos i mean people will just dis- people, yeah. people will yeah. dislike a video of a, of a father dressing up as spider-man for his sixth son so i mean they'll dislike anything man I mean, it's funny i used to think it was just kids like uh, you know when i was you know first on these platforms and whatnot too I, I was thinking like well it's probably just like kids doing that but a lot of older people 20s late 20s 30s etc who just have that personality yeah that, yeah like that does do stuff like that and it's just it's it's weird well it's, it's like they say uh, you know growing old is mandatory growing up is optional you know you, you can remain childish as a uh, as a 20 something 30 something and, and much older but uh they're just something we needed to get off our chests uh, i guess and uh it, it's just kind of amusing when you see that and wonder uh what did you dislike? But uh, most people enjoy it, and we are very thankful for that. Uh, are we not? Oh, of course, 100%. And, you know, I'll be uploading even more videos um, to the NLSC YouTube. Uh, you know, this summer, uh, we're going to be having another tournament, probably Lakers versus Celtics now first, because I'm just really into that. Um, so those videos will be going up. I have more games from Stildo and my NBA 2K19 94-95 My League that will go up, you and my sessions, um, the ones that we have I'll be putting gameplay videos up for those, um, like I have been recently so there's going to be a lot of content hitting the NLSC YouTube and I hope people love it And I'm sure 99.9% people will and the, the only people that uh, won't will most likely be uh, be trolling That being said, if we do upload an Xbox 360 version of NBA Live 07 video and that gets a dislike I do understand that one. Right. I mean, let's put it this way, though. We did upload an NBA Live 07 gameplay video. And uh, in the title, though, you were like, what were they thinking? So <laughs> yeah. it's not like we were praising yes. it. I, I, made, it, I made it clear we weren't promoting the game. We weren't saying it. It does have good. 100% likes. It does have 100% likes the last time I checked. So that's pretty impressive. You know, speaking of NBA Live and uh, EA Sports, uh, EA is in the news this week. Uh, Derek, uh, possibly looking to sell. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, I think it's interesting. Andrew Wilson said, you know, kind of like talk down the rumors. He he basically said something like, you know, we're in a really good position right now. Um, you know, we have 
half a billion players around the world. We're in a position of strength and, 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 you know, we have a great line of games, et cetera. Um, but the rumblings are that they are looking to either merge or sell completely. And there was, um, multiple companies who they've been like in discussion with supposedly, you know, Amazon, um, I won't say Apple, Apple, Disney, Comcast, NBC, Disney, Universal. Comcast, yeah. And then I guess they were in escalated talks with Comcast, um, NBC, Universal. And then that fell through um, due to really unknown reasons overall. There's not like a, de- a lot of details around that. But um, I guess EA, this, now this is going by the articles that we've read. I guess EA was motivated by the sale of um, Blizzard to um, Activision Blizzard to Microsoft. And I believe that was what, roughly a $68 billion sale? Uh, the reports that I've Googled are $68.7 billion deal for Activision Blizzard that Microsoft purchased. $68.7 billion, right? Yeah. So that kind of will motivate anybody, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, you, you look at uh, Microsoft getting Bethesda as well bringing and bringing all those IP under their banner i mean we're seeing a lot of this going on at the moment and and for the most part what does it mean for us gamers well probably much the much the same except for the possibility that if microsoft or or sony were to acquire an ea for example then a lot of those games could be possibly become exclusive to a platform and i think that's the if there's a concern from our point of view uh, i think that's what it's going to be right was never a fan of that in the past. We've talked about that on past podcasts. And I think that when companies do do that, I think they limit themselves by not, um, you know, being well-rounded as far as access goes. Um, they're on less consoles. They're, you know, oftentimes they wouldn't be maybe not on PC as well. Um, and they're limiting themselves to how many people they can reach and how many households they can be in, et cetera. So um, the other piece of this that I found interesting is that Andrew Wilson, who also, um, you know, made that, that those comments about their, you know, strength and positioning and all of that stuff. Um, he wants to, as part of the deal, if it happens. And again, these are all rumors, but as part of the deal, he wants to still have the majority of say in everything and still, you know, be in charge of, it seems like the EA operation. So like, um, you know, and be like the key decision maker. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, like you said, it could be no change. It could be a change that does affect us as far as like games becoming pri- proprietary to, you know, one company, one console, etc. But um yeah, it's all up in the air right now. One of the articles that I, that I read on on GameSpot it was did say that price and structure are reportedly what made the deal with uh, Comcast fall apart. So that could go back to Andrew Wilson wanting to remain in his current position and have that influence and Comcast wanted to bring in their own people. And, of course, this is how it goes with mergers. I don't claim to be a, uh, an expert on big business by any stretch of the imagination, but I've seen enough of them over the years with uh, involving my interests, video games, professional wrestling, whatnot, that when there are these mergers at the, at the corporate level and it comes time to, to trim fat as far as, as costs or, or handle uh, IP and whatnot, sometimes the, the changes don't necessarily have a great effect for the fans. Sometimes, as you said, they, they have no effect whatsoever. 
Um, but it is it is interesting that EA, that has been an entity that has swallowed up so many other studios over the years, which has kind of been the big knock on EA that they buy these studios and shut them down, is themselves looking to either merge or, or be uh, or be purchased by a, another big entity. Well, money could be again the just like the biggest motivator. And if you notice, one of the reasons was price. It was price and structure. Yes. So if they saw you know that sixty eight point seven million dollar uh, excuse me billion dollar um acquisition go through and they saw dollar signs they could be just asking for way too much but yeah money is the ultimate motivator a lot of times for decisions like this um especially after an event takes place where they saw somebody else capitalize well the good news is after making so much money if the if the merger or sale goes through there'll be no more need for microtransactions right right <laughs> we can only yeah. we can only dream um yeah isn't that just an unfathomable amount of money 68.7 billion dollars I, I can't even imagine that much money yeah i mean i'm still blown away by how much these athletes make today in the nba no oh, 40 million a year duncan absolutely robinson, duncan robinson who hasn't even been able to play um much at all i believe in the playoffs and they've been basically benching him he I want to say that he recently had signed like a $90 million contract. Right. And he's not even suiting up or getting into games or if he is, it's, it's, it's barely. So um, you have guys just riding pine in the NBA, NBA and making just so much money. Like the amount of money they make in one year has them set for life. And oh, half sure. the time they're not even they're not even hitting the court. Some of them look at that contract that Timothy Mozgov signed a few years back for seventy to eighty million dollars, and he barely hit the floor for the Lakers, like he was barely with them. But he made so much money; it just it just blows me away how much these guys make. And I think it's uh, you know, in my opinion, it's kind of ridiculous, especially because a lot of these guys making this kind of money um, a lot of times don't even hit the floor often. You know, it also brings to mind uh, Charles Barkley's objection to appearing in NBA 2K and his desire for them to contribute to the retired players' fund and whatnot. All this money that's being made in the current NBA and video games and whatnot. And there were players who paved the way for the today's stars and today's role players, even, who who didn't make their money and who ended up uh, broke after their NBA careers ended. And I think they do need to be taken care of. I, I think that uh, 2K should be paying more to, because they're certainly using them to make money with the, my team and microtransactions and whatnot. So I, I do think you need to take care of the uh, the pioneers who were not taken care of in their day. Well, they're not taking care of the plumbers and firemen, Andrew. That's Apparently not. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. And and I actually respect Charles Barkley um, and any other player who kind of stands their ground on that. Um, oh, sure. And I mean, it, su- it sucks for us. It sucks for us in the game, but you know, thumbs up to them for taking that stand. And I absolutely agree with it. Yeah, no, 100%. And you know what? I can deal with it because I'm on PC and I can usually get Barkley in the game anyway. So for me, really, it doesn't really affect us in our household as far as like games where we can just mod him in, you know, for the PC releases and everything. It's like, all right, I already got Charles Barkley in the game. He looks a great, great, probably better than the face that even 2K would put put out there for him. And good. And he even plays right. How about that? Well, speaking of which, you played a game with Charles Barkley in uh, 2K19. You uploaded the highlights the, to the uh, YouTube channel, and uh, you continue to play that 94-95 season with Stilder 33, Ken, 
and I can tell you're having a blast with it. You're what, almost a third of the way into the season or a quarter, quarter, third of the way into the season now? Yeah, it's wild. Um, we got to have him on the show again soon so we can talk about all our recent, all of our recent games and stuff we've learned along the way and everything. Um, he's played 16 games now in the uh, for his Orlando Magic. He's 12 and four. Uh, I actually beat him with the 76ers again, so he's lost to them twice already this season. And that's that that team only won roughly 20 games that season but i really enjoy using dana barrows um i do have sean bradley on that team as well um who's very good in the game um and they have clarence weatherspoon and jeff malone they have a bunch of players that i like to use um but i know that loss hurt him um because he lost to him twice now but he's 12 and 4 i'm um 14 and 0 i've played the suns twice already and um, I won both games. The second game, I only won by two. And they're actually my next opponent. So it's my third game against the Suns already. Uh, so we'll see how that game goes. But um, it's been enjoyable. I think um, the games are getting a little bit more challenging between us because we're kind of adjusting to each other's play styles game, uh, you know, as the season goes on. And, you know, we're learning more about the way each of us plays so you know passes that i make that maybe he wouldn't have been able to get to to intercept earlier in the season he's getting to them more now because he's adjusted to some of my tactics in the game and same thing and vice versa um you know one thing to kind of give you an example earlier in the season he would run a post-up play so he would run like it, it by position he'd say like i don't know Patrick Ewing post up and he would, instead of posting him up, he would do that as like a fake calling the play. And then he would just like drive to the hoop with his guard and score. And earlier in the season, it would like sometimes fake me out because I'm like, I'm preparing him for him to post up and then he would zoom by me and just score. But now that I've kind of caught on to him doing that, whenever he does that now, I'm making sure to pay attention to the ball handler even more than the guy that he's posting up. And he hasn't been able to get a free layup in quite a while. So I've adjusted to that tactic that he was using earlier in the season. So, um, yeah, it's been good. Uh, we're about done the first full month of the season and I definitely want to get like a dunk reel out there and a highlight reel out there for the, um, the NLSC YouTube and for his YouTube. So keep an eye out for that. Obviously, there are. There's probably times when you're reminded that it's 2K19 instead of the 2019 season. Maybe because you've got Chris Webber and Greg Anthony on commentary when they are also playing in, in some of the games, or, or the fact that they reference something that is far more modern. But do you ever forget that it's the that it's 2K19? Do you ever just feel so immersed in that 94-95 atmosphere that you forget that it's such a new game? Well, the art and the mod is so good that you can definitely get lost in it. Um, it is funny, though, the two times that I've used the bullets against him, um, Chris Weber was calling the game. So he was playing and calling the game. So that was interesting. But the commentary definitely will remind you that it's a mod. Uh, but you can definitely still get lost in it because of the accurate shoes, the accurate courts, the accurate Dornas, accurate um crowd styles if those were modded in for the specific teams and for that arena um because you know you have a modded ball 
all of that stuff looks just like 94, 95. It looks just like that era. Um, so very easy to get lost in it. But yeah, every now and then the commentators that come on will remind you the Brent Berries, the Greg Anthony's, the Chris Webbers. It will remind you that, yeah, you're playing NBA 2K19 and this is just a great mod that you're playing. But to that point, it is a fantastic mod. The reactions on, on Twitter and on, on YouTube uh, do say it all, really. You know, you mentioned the 76ers and uh, Dana Burris, and, and Burris is probably a player that uh, flies under the radar these days, doesn't get mentioned. Uh, one-time All-Star in 1995, of course. Uh, could really shoot, could uh, could score. Uh, it just just names like that are so nostalgic to me. And you know, I think uh, anyone, anyone of our generation, you just start mentioning those names and, and of course, you do the same with, with some bench players, of course. Marty Conlon is my favorite go-to role player, bench player back in the day to uh, to mention as an obscure, uh, yes, I remember the 90s kind of thing. But which is when you start bringing up those names like Burris and, and Weatherspoon and whatnot of those teams that, that weren't successful. But, but if you were watching at the time, you knew. And you knew the lineups, sometimes thanks to video games. No, 100%. And Dana Barros, of course, holds another special place in my heart for another reason is um, he uh, had quite a few years with the Celtics. Yes. And a big deal when we ended up getting Dana Barros, actually. Um, and did he underperform with the Celtics overall? Did he not meet expectations? Yeah, pretty much because, you know, we wanted all-star Barros. We wanted Barros in all-star form because that's what we saw in 94, 95. Um, but he never really found his niche with the Celtics. They didn't know what to do, whether to make him a point guard or a shooting guard. Um, they tried to make him a traditional point guard and that didn't work out too well. Um, he's a gunner. He's a fantastic, he was a fantastic shooter, good ball handler in one-on-one as well, but he wasn't like a traditional point guard. So, um, I don't think the Celtics really knew too much, you know, what to do with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, even the teams that had poor records back then, they had a lot of names that you knew and you knew what they were good at. And the Sixers are kind of a special team to use in that game because they have a guy like Jeff Malone who was injured for most of that season. But in like the 19 games that he played, he averaged about 18 points per game. So he was still very good that season. Um, he just didn't play a lot of games because he was hurt. They had a guy like Clarence Weatherspoon, who a lot of people back then thought he was like a mini Barkley, right? that like he had that type of skill set and if you ever look up clarence weatherspoon highlights he was a pretty explosive athlete and he was had those wide shoulders and he was strong and um he could be a one-man fast break so it's fun to use guys like that and of course you have the seven foot six guys you know in seven foot seven guys you got the sean bradley's and the and the murasans and everything playing back then both of those guys are incredibly fun to use in video games but yeah you know we learned the lineups in part back then with the older like NBA live games, NBA showdown and bulls versus blazers and stuff like that. We learned the lineups and memorized them a lot of times by the video games. Um, so basketball video games hold kind of a special place in my heart for that reason too, because I was a huge basketball fan, NBA fan at the time, you know, since I can remember, you know, since I could think straight and video games, basketball video games helped me in such a big way to get to know the players better, to get to know the teams better, the lineups. And, you know, when they started putting stats in the video games and bios and stuff like that, that was just another element that helped um, learn more about the game that I loved. You know, I'd love to get Ken's, Stildo's, uh, 
answer to this as well, but I'll ask you now, and hopefully we'll get him on soon and we can ask him as well. But do you find it more fun to play with your chosen team, the Sonics in your case, or is it more fun to play with that variety as you become the opponent for each other? I've actually had more fun recently um, using different teams because it's fun to compete that way and to have a chance to beat somebody with a team that you don't know as well as they know their team, right? Like he's using the magic all season. So he knows that team very well. He knows all of their shooting forms. Of course, we have it on user timing. He knows their shooting forms. He knows, you know, how quick they are. He knows who he can dribble well with. Um, He knows who, you know, he needs to put in to, you know, in certain situations. And he's going to know that team on the floor as far as using them on the sticks a lot better than you know me using a team for the first time or even me using a team for a second time so there's a special feeling about being in a game and competing when you feel almost like you're at like a slight disadvantage in that game and then when you win that game you feel like you over oh you overcame an obstacle and like almost overachieved um so i know that's killing him right now to be honest with you because he hasn't beat me with the supersonics that's killing him we've had we've had this conversation it bothers him so much right now that i don't have a loss with my team like he hasn't been able to beat me with any team but his orlando magic so um we'll definitely have to have him come on and talk about it but like beating him with the kings who had a poor record that year beating him twice with the 76ers and my other win is actually with the knicks but beating with the kings and the 76ers those were some of my favorite games of the season. It makes sense. And also there's that variety as well. That uh, I know as much as I love playing through a season, obviously you know how much I how I take pride in playing through a full season in franchise or career mode, 82 games, 12-minute quarters. But there is a part of that season where you, know, you go through a bit of a lull because you've been using the same team over and over again. You do miss having that variety. So this is a great advantage, again, to the way you're doing it, being each other's opponent, that you do have that variety. That if you were getting a bit sick of the Sonics, pretty hard to get sick of the 95 Sonics, admittedly, but it's pretty much impossible, I'd say, when you're also breaking it up by playing with those other interesting teams from the 95 season. Oh, 100%. It keeps the, um, it, it keeps the experience fresh. You know what I mean? And the other piece of that, too, is we've decided that we're going to start playing other games on the schedule to keep things even more fresh, to keep things interesting. So if we see a game on the schedule, let's say, I don't know, Bulls versus Cavs or like, I don't know, um, Rockets. MJ's comeback game? Bulls versus Pacers? Yeah, could do that. Yep. Yep. We could do that. Um, Rockets versus Knicks. Like something like that. Like if we see a fun game Celtics. We both want to use the Celtics again too. Like Celtics playing a team that, you know, the other person wants to use. Um, would you do, we're start would you, do cause you both love the Celtics. Would you do a cop Celtics versus the CPU just for fun? Yeah, we could do that too. We actually haven't discussed that. That's something I'll talk to him about tomorrow. Um, I'll probably text him, but yeah, I mean, we're going to do start doing that. And I think that's also going to be great content possibly for the NLSC YouTube because I can upload those gameplay videos. They wouldn't go on Neon and Butch Gaming because those are um, that's just for Orlando and Seattle. Um, so it would be some pretty cool content for the community to see um, as well, because I know that people really enjoy those highlights. And it really promotes the mod as well, because we're getting more and more questions about that. And 
yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately 2K19 is no longer available on Steam. You can go to uh, third-party resellers and and get those keys, and they will still activate, and you can get 2K19 if you don't already own it. But if you do have 2K19 or can get a hold of it, a legal copy, that's all we'll support in the NLC community, uh, absolutely grab those mods, and you can see how much fun that uh, you and, and Ken are having with them. And uh, I know you're not the only ones. Cool Breeze is always posting those cool uh, screenshots in the forum, in the release thread, the support thread for the uh, retro season mods. So, yeah, I, people are loving them. Yeah, um, unfortunately, it's not the new game, right? So the exposure, the amount of people using them is very small in comparison to rosters that are being made for the newer games that, excuse me, the newest game, 2K22, even though the, those rosters in the newest game have most of them, actually all of them, let's be honest, because there's nobody really working on retro rosters for the newest game, like complete ones, like like they're, they're on 2K19. None of them have the detail and the love that was given to those 2K19 ones. Shout out to MJ Wizards uh, for NBA 2K22, who is doing his best with the default game assets um, to create extra classic teams. But when I say like attention, like when I, when I talk about detail, I'm talking about, you know, only stuff that you can do on PC, right? The, you know, correct, the exact jerseys, the the real cyber faces for missing players, um, the accurate shoes, like all of that stuff, like the stuff that really makes that that NBA 2K19 mod shine authenticity wise is something that you can't do on the Series X or the uh, PS5. And accessing content that's hidden, being able to make use of assets and whatnot that are there in the game files, but you need to do some external manipulation to access them. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, for example, you know, on NBA 2K17, guys like Rafer Alston, um, Air, um, I believe Aaron Brooks was another one. Guys like that weren't in the game by default, but in the files, their faces were made. So you could find Aaron Brooks and Rafer Alston and put them on the 0708 Rockets in order to um, help fill that team out. And that's one of the major advantages of being on PC is if the developers did create those faces and they were in the files, um, even if they were, weren't on the official release of the game, you can at least find them and, and put them in the game and utilize them. That's been a big part of modding over the years, getting those hidden assets or making use of those leftover audio files in some cases. Um, did you notice when we were playing in Live 06, actually, they were chanting for MJ because that, that audio was left over in the game? Yeah, that's what's uh, my brother and I are a little bit annoyed with that. I think it's I think it was a nice touch. So NBA Live 2004, I'm going to use that as an example, because we have a season on that. As you know, we're about 13 games in now on a legend season. But, you know, it starts in the fourth quarter when they start doing that chant. And unfortunately, they do it like throughout the entire quarter. And so they're one possession down. They'll be like Larry, Larry for Larry Bird. The next one, it's magic. And then, then the next one is MJ, MJ. And they're doing it like for the entire fourth quarter and we can't turn it off. So like, I think that it's a little bit overdone. I think it was a nice touch and a nice attention to detail thing. But um, I'm not a huge fan of it going on for like the entire quarter. And, you know, just like, I guess the frequency of it. 
I think context and frequency are very important when it comes to details like that. You look at the the courtside comedy cutscenes in Live 2003, and as you mentioned, they can actually be switched off or, or toned down to a certain extent. But they're okay in theory, and they're kind of entertaining, but they happen a little bit too much. You're in the middle of a serious playoff game, and you've got the the uh, a bench player stealing the coach's seat, and you're like, nah, this wouldn't happen. It's not quite sim enough for what a lot of us felt at the time. Right, 100%. And then you have something like, you know, what we had talked about in the past, like NBA Live 2000, where they stand at the free throw line for an ungodly amount of time before they actually shoot, and you can't surpass it, mm. right? Yeah. Like, stuff that, like, the frequency and volume of, of um, more in that case, the volume of time that it takes to get to the next free thrower to actually shoot your shot. Um, that's why context matters with stuff like that. So yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think this is also the argument when people say they'll, they'll show a, a, an unlikely highlight of a ridiculous shot happen in real life and say, see, it can happen. This stuff happens in real life and compare it to a, a video game complaint. And the, the point is, yes, but this stuff is very rare. This, this isn't something that, that the, uh, that the CPU can do on cue or that the user can do on cue whenever they're losing to come back and win, that you're suddenly hitting all kinds of ridiculous shots. It does happen from time to time, but it's the frequency and the context. And, and that's, uh, what, that's what people talk about. You remember, you remember me talking to somebody about this. So um, with the 2K18 skating, which is when it was introduced with that new motion system, just the sheer high volume of skating where the players were like floating above the court, sliding all over the court there were people who were just not happy that I was pointing this out for some reason and were like, yeah, well, skating's been in every game. There's, 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 you know, it's part of game development, like skate, like, like a blanket statement like that. No, there is a, there's a huge difference in an occasional skating moment in like 2k 16 and 2k 17 or, um, et cetera. And then just the unbelievable volume, the high volume of sliding, skating, and floating above the court that's in 2K18. It's you you have to add context. Volume matters, right? So um that's something that's always bothered me is those blanket statements. Well, skating's been in every game. Yes, but what volume and how much did that impact gameplay? No, 100 percent it, It's an asinine argument, but uh unfortunately that's the way it goes with discourse sometimes, sadly. No, 100 percent Now now let's let's talk about something a little bit more positive. So your NBA 2K14 season three, as far as I know, correct me if I'm wrong, just ended. Is that correct? It did indeed. It did indeed. It has been decided. Um, I want you to tell our audience the lineup that you went against in the finals because you showed me that Minnesota Timberwolves team. I couldn't believe they made the finals. That might be the worst finals team in basketball history. So a little backstory. And at your suggestion, I have written an article about this terrible team that made the NBA finals or a mediocre team, I should say, which kind of makes them one of the worst NBA finalists, at least on the virtual hardwood that I've seen. So the Timberwolves went 42 and 40 on the season. This was good for the fifth seed in a very mediocre Western conference in the 2016 season. And they actually ended the playoffs having lost eight straight games. Uh, now, this was in large part due to the fact that Ricky Rubio was their, mate, their starting point guard and main playmaker, obviously. 
was injured for the last month of the season. So they struggled with the finish and finished much worse than perhaps they would have been, but nevertheless, 42 and 40, fifth seed. Okay, so in the first round, they faced the fourth seeded Jazz, who were 43 and 39, uh, not doing too much better, kind of a mediocre squad themselves. They get beaten in six games. In the second round, they face the eight seeded Nuggets, who have toppled the number one seeded Trailblazers, who just completely uh, blew it in seven games in the first round. This series also goes seven games with the Timberwolves prevailing. Now they face the Lakers. These are the Lakers with Kobe and LeBron. LeBron having gone there in uh, 2014, at the end of the 2014 season. The Lakers had swept their way through the playoffs, much as I had done, and took the first game against the Timberwolves. I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to beat the Bulls, unfortunately, and come out of the East. I'm going to have the showdown with Kobe, LeBron, and the Lakers coming out of the West. In game two, the Timberwolves blow them out, and even the series. Okay, the underdogs got one. The Lakers go up three games to one. And then, they blow it. And I have to give a shout out to Leo here, Valor in the forum, uh, NLC Thrill Home member, who pointed out that uh, JJ Barea is on that Timberwolves team, and clearly that's why a LeBron team lost to them. Um, <laughs> chase the 2011 finals there. But, yeah. but anyway, the Lakers blow the 3-1 lead, or the Timberwolves have the huge underdog comeback and come back from down 3-1, however you want to look at it. Now they're in the finals against a 76ers team that went 77-5 and and has a, uh, a pretty good star in my player. So this is a pretty lopsided final series, because you look at the Timberwolves, and they've got uh, Kevin Love as their best player. He's doing okay. He was an All-Star, again, in the uh, 2016 All-Star game. But then you've got Derek Williams, who is admittedly improving, becoming a better player, a solid forward and inside-outside scorer in this reality, but is still not, on paper, a huge name. Uh, Ricky Rubio is there, and he's solid, but he's out with injury at this point, having re-injured himself uh, in the uh, second round of the playoffs. They've got Corey Brewer. They've got J.J. Barea, as I said. They've got Kevin Martin, who is also hobbled by an injury at this point after Game 1. It's a team that could make the playoffs by overachieving, make a little bit of noise in the first round and get eliminated. That's the kind of team they look like. Yet somehow, they've made this run all the way through to the NBA Finals. And on paper, and certainly <laughs> when you look at the results of the Finals, probably the worst virtual NBA finalists I've encountered. And I look back at some of my previous My Career games and uh, the two, the first two years in this My Career and other My Career games and franchise games over the years, and I don't think I've ever seen that much of a curveball thrown by the Sim Engine to get a team like that through to the finals. I mean, LeBron and Kobe on the same team blowing a 3-1 lead. Can you imagine what the real-life talking heads would have to say about that? It would be non-stop conversation between skip bayless shannon sharp um i don't know nick wrong etc <laughs> they would not be able to leave that alone yeah that is absolutely wild um and i don't think i've ever seen that in a video game before either where uh it looks like a team is sweeping through the playoffs and then all of a sudden you know they go up three one and then all of, and then they get taken down by a far inferior team with players worse overall um they don't have as many stars etc so when you told me that and you showed me that roster i was like are you kidding me um i think 
one thing I wanted to know, because I'd have to look at the roster again, did Minnesota make any acquisitions that were positive that weren't on the real life Wolves team? Because you you are on season three and you did mention that they had Kevin Martin, Rubio and love. Those are just t- Timberwolves. That's fine. Right. Because they, they were on the, um, default regular Timberwolves roster and in Berea, et cetera. But did they have anybody new that they added? No one uh, significant. No, I, I think everybody that's on there was the most of the main players were there as of the 2014 season. And they've just re-signed or were still on the contract as the case may be uh, a couple of years later. And they've, they've drafted a couple of generated rookies, of course. So, but apart from that, they haven't really made any major acquisitions. I'm pretty sure Berea was there in 2014 before he went back to the Mavericks uh, a few years later in real life. So it's it's pretty much very similar to the 2014 Timberwolves, uh, the 2016 virtual 2016 Timberwolves here. Pretty much the same roster. Uh, as I said, Derek Williams has gotten up to an 86 overall, so he has improved in this reality and kind of developed into this solid uh, second or third option, I guess. But apart from that, it, it is pretty true to life, um, <laughs> the results notwithstanding. Now, you told me that one of the games before it crashed – was 101 to 99 so it wasn't a cakewalk it sounds like it sounds like you actually um they were competing with you in one of those games well that's the thing that they came out in the first half and they were usually competitive and there's there's a reason for this as well because Mello was out Camilo Anthony having joined us in the 2015 season of course uh he uh, went down with a knee injury and so instead of starting Brandon Rush again they've moved me over to shooting guard and brought Michael Carter Williams in at point guard and this has really made our starts very slow. I don't really like playing alongside him. It doesn't. The chemistry is really has anybody, off. Has has anybody really liked playing alongside Michael Carter Williams in the real NBA? I'd say no, probably not. Pro- probably not. Unfortunately, despite almost getting that quadruple double in his uh, debut, uh, MC Dub hasn't really worked out uh, as as people had hoped. Um, not trusting the process on that one. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it, we get out to these slow starts where I'm trying to take ball handling responsibilities back from him and and because i'm the one getting 16 assists per game and setting people up where they need them and he's just faffing around you know as the uh, ai does sometimes so and, and not being aggressive as i am so we get off to those slow starts but we also had a, games where we just completely blew them out uh, I, had, I had i had a quadruple double in, in game one 34 points 31 assists uh, 17 rebounds and 13 steals which is just ridiculous how many assists uh, 31. Thirty-one. Uh, the Australian Scott Skiles. Yes, yes. It's impressive. What did you average for the, um, for the uh, not the finals, but the playoffs? Do you have your averages? So about 32 points, uh, 15.9 assists, I do remember, uh, 12 rebounds, uh, 7.8 steals. I really stepped up the steals in the playoffs and two and a half blocks. I mean, those are stats to be proud of. Clearly. It is ridiculous, my player numbers. Yes, absolutely. But yes, we have the slow starts with MCW, and a couple of the games were a bit close at times, and I just pulled away at the end. A couple were complete blowouts. Uh, the first game in Minnesota, game three, was that they just, we just came out actually with a very strong start, uh, led 35 to 13 after the first quarter, and yeah, it was just a joke after that. But the first time I played game four, at the end of the third quarter, we led very slimly, 91-89. In fact, they had led by one point at the end of the first quarter and at halftime. So it, it was unusually competitive for them. So I was looking forward to saying, okay, this this game four is going to be 
uh, you know, a pretty good finale with this underdog team finally stepping up and challenging us and making us earn it. And then it goes into the fourth quarter, the screen dims, and an unexpected error has occurred. Do you want to send this to Sony? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's happened a couple of times. I'm wondering if there's kind of a bug that is obviously not going to be fixed now because 2K14 is long beyond its uh, support. But that that was a that was disheartening because obviously it was going to be a pretty epic finale. I'd been r- drafting a recap for the, the article uh, alongside playing the game. So I had to scrap that and start over again. Uh, ended up winning the uh, replay of that game, 127-110. It was a bit more competitive than the previous game still, but not not as good as the the one that uh, was lost to the crash. Unfortunately, there was no data corruption or anything there. But it, it was kind of a kind of anticlimactic after what could have been a, a better finale in, a, in Game 4, uh, especially given what an underdog team they are and what a terrible, <laughs> underpowered opponent they are in some respects. But... You know, I still felt that satisfaction of getting through the entire season and sweeping my way through the playoffs and achieving statistical goals and whatnot. And Ricky Rubio's return in Game 4, he, he did manage to get healthy enough to come back for Game 4, kind of gave them a bit, a bit of a lift. So that was realistic and a, and a good story. I don't mind too much that they turned out to be, that it turned out to be the Timberwolves because it was an interesting twist in the story and it was so unexpected. I, I do kind of wish that it was the Lakers just for... Because I think that would have been a more fitting finale. Even if I'd swept them and blown them out as well, you would have, it would have been that... Uh, the names, right? The, 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 the star-studded Lakers, the, the star power in that finals matchup and the historical significance of Lakers versus 76ers with real history alike. So it, it was a kind of a shame in that regard. But at the same time, it, it was still so much fun to play through the entire season. Uh, and what, once, once the Timberwolves got there... I kind of had that uh, almost like like a bully mentality of like, well, <laughs> you you are a uh, you are a huge underdog. I'm going to show you who the top dogs are, kind of thing. So that was my that was my mentality coming out, and probably why I had that quadruple double in game one, just going all out in it and, and trying to blow them out. But y- yes, um, I, I think they are the worst virtual NBA finalists that I've ever encountered. Yeah, I think facing them in the finals rather than the Lakers, it actually kind of it, it makes it more unique. Oh, it's memorable, yeah. Yeah, it's memorable. It's more memorable. It it kind of adds a wrinkle that wouldn't have been there before. Now, I have a question before we wrap this up, um, the 2K14, my career update. What are your plans for Season 4? So Year 4 is going to be quite interesting, I think. Because of the timing of Camilo Anthony's uh, knee injury, we're at the opening night now, ready to go on the save, against opening up against the Celtics, actually. Season opening against the Celtics. But Melo is still going to be on the shelf for four to six months recovering from this knee injury so he's going to be out most of the season if not almost all of it still recovering from the knee injury that he suffered in the playoffs which is a tough pill to swallow but I also I kind of like that you know I I like that they didn't just wipe the slate clean at the end of the the year and that it carries over like that and that is a great detail in franchise and career play that those injuries carry over and they're not just reset as it goes over to a new season um, I, I do really enjoy that uh, as much as it <laughs> throws a spanner in the works as far as now having to deal with uh, a starting lineup that, that has Michael Carter-Williams in it for much longer. But this also raises a few questions about what I'm going to do moving forward, because if the season doesn't go well, do I ask for a trade? Do I ask for MC Dub to get traded? Do I take that PR hit to have a more enjoyable gameplay experience? You know, do, do, what, what do I do as far as role-playing goes? You know, do I try and get to the Bulls now? 
because I'm thinking about leaving for the Bulls when I have that opportunity. And moving on, I mean, by that time, I will have had four or five championships, possibly for the 76ers. I'm, I'm sure even doing that will lead to bitterness and whatnot, even though in, in the universe, you'd probably think, well, okay, he's got his five championships. He wants to move on. Thank you. You know, thanks for the titles and whatnot. But those are the decisions we're going to have to make going through year four of, uh, of my career in uh, 2K14 now, just to see how, how it's going to be, how much I can enjoy having uh, Carter Williams in the lineup so often and, and playing that role and whether it, that interferes with the enjoyment of the gameplay experience and whether I'll try to do something about it. Also, Evan Turner has moved on to the Rockets, so there's another going to be another former teammate who will be facing as an opponent who we've won three titles together. So that's going to be interesting as well, much like Spencer Hawes moving on halfway through year three. So there's some other storylines developing in that regard. Well, with the finals numbers that you put up, you know, winning three championships, all of that stuff, you have a choice to go where you want, which is excellent, right? So you should be able to, um, you know, choose your destiny. So if you want to go to the Bulls or you wanted to go to, um, I don't know, the Celtics, I'll just say that because I was a lifetime, lifetime, lifelong Celtics fan. And I mean, as a Celtics fan, I, I wouldn't mind having a guy who averaged like 32 points, you know, 15 assists and almost eight steals. You know, I wouldn't mind having that guy on my team. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to go to the Bulls and, and do that, go for it. But I know that one thing that um, you told me on a off off the air and on the air, actually, is that you have this thing about loyalty as well. And the Sixers have treated you good. And they've treated you well. So it's hard for you to also make that jump because then you feel like you've, you're not being loyal. Well, that's the funny thing. And what I really enjoy about this micro experience that I've had with 2K14 is that I've developed this affinity for the 76ers as my team that I'm playing for, and also teammates that I've played a few years with now, which is why I was kind of a bummer to see Spencer Hawes traded last year, and now Evan Turner moving on to the Rockets. You have that affinity with those virtual teammates, and that, that's something very cool that you uh, that you develop. But, you know, you do have to look at your, your future, and, you know, <laughs> in a virtual sense, and what will be the most fun experience moving forward, uh, you know, obviously, I'm a Bulls fan. I enjoy playing with them and for them in franchise and career modes, so I can't rule that out. And, and, and having this experience, actually, of being locked into that rookie contract for four or five years has made me you know, think about how I lo- view loyalty in the real NBA as well as the virtual NBA. And, you know, looking at how players don't have those options and how the uh, sometimes loyalty is almost thrust upon them in that respect. And, of course, they can get traded at any time. So, yeah, I'm weighing up the decision to play that whole career with one team and, and replicate the loyalty that I admire so much in so many of those great players that did spend their entire career with one team or or being a bit more nomadic and, and going to the Bulls after my uh, after I you know dedicate myself to getting as much success with the 76ers as possible but then looking to bring the Bulls back to uh, to success and and seeing how I feel about that when the uh, when the time comes and exploring those options and what because I've not gone through free agency in 2K14 my career yet, so I'm I'm keen to see how that all goes. But uh, nevertheless, as far as the Celtics, hey, I won't rule it out. Uh, they did just sign Brandon Jennings, of course, so you do have Brandon Jennings, plus a brand-new rookie called Dick King. So that's funny. You know, like you said, a developer had to know what they were doing, putting that in there. Dick King around, uh, I might say. Yeah, exactly. They're just having fun with it, obviously. Um, it doesn't hurt anybody, um, but... 
yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, no, thanks for the update. I know that um, I wonder if you've inspired anybody out there, any of our listeners to get into a career mode on one of the older titles, because you talk very excited about it, like excitedly, like you're you're very into it and you've you know seen it through all the way so far into into season four. And, you know, you've been showing the highlights and everything, talking about the stats. I wonder if there's anybody out there that's listened to the podcast and or follows you on social media that's like, you know, either going to get into a, a career mode on one of the older games or already is in one. So who knows? I mean, that would be very cool if I've inspired anyone to do that, and I, I would absolutely recommend it, whether it's my career, whether it's uh, a franchise mode in Live or 2K, or, or going back and playing a season in, in any old favorite. We've said it before, if you're not feeling the latest game, go back to an old favorite and, and see what holds up, see what you can still enjoy, because a lot of these games do. And sometimes it's because they focus more on that pure enjoyment and the NBA side of things, because games have gone in a direction where they're not necessarily focusing on the NBA or, or even basketball elements sometimes. So if you're not, again, if you're not feeling that latest game, check out an old favorite. Check out a few old favorites. You know, just just play some exhibition games here and there. Just in exhibition games and connecting with the community of a parsec, other people in the community of a parsec, uh, is, is so much fun as well. So there's a lot of things you can be doing with basketball games apart from grinding away in the latest game, if indeed you're not enjoying that. If you are enjoying 2K22 and the experience you're having, fantastic. Keep enjoying it. Enjoy. <laughs> That's the main thing, that you're enjoying what you're playing, as we've said so many times before. But I can attest to how much fun it is to go back to a game, sometimes giving a game a second look, as I did with 2K14, letting that capture imagination and getting stuck into a, a career mode or a franchise mode or whatever. Obviously, the card collecting modes disappear once the servers are shut down and some of the more recent games, the offline version of my career is very stripped down or indeed non-existent, sadly. But if you can go back to a game and there's a mode that captures your imagination and just gets you hooked like like uh, 2K14 my career has for me, I say go for it. 100%. You know how much fun I've been having revisiting the old titles. Oh, so, um, so you got seven seasons going on at the moment. Yeah, I don't oh know my God. I have a season. <laughs> yeah, we have a season with ken so still the 33 on nba 2k19 i have seasons going with both of my brothers on nba 2k17 we have a co-op season all three of us but also a versus season my brother nick and i have legend seasons on 2k19 on 2k15 um nba live 06 nba live 04 nba live 2003 nba live 2000 um etc i'm playing so many different older titles and the experience um in basketball gaming for me is always fresh as a result and obviously we can freshen things up with mods and whatnot but even when you're not using mods just the difference in gameplay between the titles the difference in presentation atmosphere difference in modes difference in play style all of that stuff um definitely keeps things fresh and connecting with the community also helps as well and um yeah it's not getting old so like i said you know at the end of last year that i thought in 2022 was going to be an amazing year for basketball gaming um it definitely hasn't disappointed no i think i think you were right on the money about that and it's not just about the latest game it's about finding your joy on the virtual hardwood no matter which game that comes from latest game an old favorite somewhere in between play what you play what you want don't let anyone uh shame you for not playing the latest game or a game that they don't like and uh yeah you've got so many seasons going i've got my my career going on and we will be updating everybody 
as the uh, weeks go by here on the NLSC podcast. But with that being said, that has brought us to the end of this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us talk about one of our favorite topics, basketball video games. The NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, nba-live.com, of course. You can also find us on all the major podcatching apps and platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, just to name a few. On those platforms, search for NLC Podcast, look for our logo, that will be us. If those platforms allow you to leave a review or rating, we'd certainly appreciate a five-star and positive review. And of course, you can also listen to the show each and every week on our YouTube channel. On top of that, we also want to connect with you on social media. So Derek, as always, I'll throw it over to you to promote your socials. Absolutely. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at D for 384 or at D for 3G. You can also reach me on YouTube. Um, definitely try to take a look at the content I'm uploading there. Um, uh, the name is D for 3. And um, also check out the content that I'm uploading to the NLSC YouTube as well. Gameplay videos, the top 10, etc. And you can reach me on the NLSC where I'm a team member, D for 3. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. Please follow me there to hear about the further adventures of Dick King. The NLSC is on Facebook and Twitter at the NLSC. We are NLSC Basketball on Instagram. On YouTube, we are youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, nba-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. But yes, that's all for this week. So thank you once again for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone.